An undercover operation, is it, Richard? I mean, I hardly expected to find you on another podcast. Huh? There you are. You're something who studio, is it? it? It's serviceable. Quite. Do go in. Now then, what's all this about something who? Richard, I need your help. I've lost the Grumpcast. I don't know what the Grumpcast is. I've already told you. And you don't remember me? Certainly not, but whoever you are, I can't let you wander around blabbing about classified something who operations. Oh, there's much more at stake than a breach of security. I've lost the Grumpcast, you've lost your memory. I'd be very surprised if the two events weren't connected. Let me tell you, sir, that I'm in full possession of all my faculties. After all, if I was suffering from amnesia, I'd be the first to know about it, wouldn't I? Hmm. By the way, how's Simon these days? Oh, oh, left the podcast in 19. Sells second-hand cars somewhere. And Giles? Seconded to TV. Last heard of doing something very hush-hush at the BBC. Do you ever see anything of Paul? What? Paul. From Something Who and the Grumpcast. Paul? Mike, you'll remember, of course. Mike? Are you alright? Someone just walked over my grave. Perhaps it was Phil Morris. Phil Morris? Or even the Facebook Messing Episodes discussion group. Richard Alistair Gordon Lethbridge Grumpcast. Morris has been training hard, as Venezis mentioned, a bicycling journey from Cyprus to Hong Kong. He also said that Morris has a voracious appetite. I don't want to make this sound like there are lots and lots of missing tins that I know about, but we're talking about one or two. <laughs> Found in um, Sierra Leone. <laughs> that noise you made, was that the Sierra Leone claxon? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, right, I was just checking you weren't summoning Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, mean, I, do have, I do have Viking heritage, uh, I think. I don't think we were as far as summoning your Viking ancestors yet. Hey, hey, calm down, calm down, calm down, hey, calm down, hey, calm down, hey, calm down, calm down, hey, Toby, hey, hey, calm down, calm down, hey, calm down, calm down, calm down, calm down, calm Hello and welcome to the Doctor Who Grumpcast episode 10 and joining me in the studio is Richard. Uh, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. This isn't uh? the Grumpcast. What? This is this is something who? I invited you onto my podcast. No, 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 no. You're a guest on my podcast. Oh. Oh. Do I have to behave and stuff? Do you have to do the editing? <laughs> well, I have to do the editing, so, oh, so, right. so there okay. is that. Um, as for you behaving, I guess behave as you would as you're, if, if, if you're at your auntie's. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. Fine. What is it? What, what, uh, my granny used to say something. She used to say, imagine it's your auntie's and your auntie's out. I'm not quite sure what that was about, actually. Now it's come to think about it. My... Um my father when he went round to his uh his grandmother's 
as a child. He was forced to stand in the porch on an unfolded piece of newspaper and given some biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> as long as I get better than that. Well, you're much, more, you're much more welcome than that. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Two biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to do then? Because I... Uh, are we going to compare things? Well, look, what's happened is... The Something Who crew are all off on holiday or temporary hiatus or are otherwise indisposed this weekend. But, you know, I was really keen to do a show, so I thought I'd bring you on as a special guest. And then we can do uh, a comparison. And what I've got, got lined up for you is Day of the Daleks yes. and Blink. Oh, oh. This is some sort of trap. Because previously, <laughs> you've had Monster Links. Hmm. Day of the Daleks and Blink. Ah. Hmm. Yes, okay. So, oh, can we have a while to think about it? Yeah, yeah. So, so we'll have a bit of a chat first, and then when you've had a chance to think about it, we'll, we'll, we'll hop into that. Time travel! Hmm. Ah. Okay. Fine. Fine. After we've done that, of course, you'll be fully appreciative of how good your lot really are. <laughs> <laughs> well, Fine. I mean, I don't doubt that they are brilliant. So, um, you know, it's not that I've been desperate to get rid of them. But we're, we're, since they're all doing something more exciting than this, apparently, um, it's great to have an opportunity to, to do it with someone else. Smashing. Brilliant. So how have you been? What have you been up to? Well, um, we've knocked out a couple of these. I made a bit of an impromptu appearance on um, JR's uh, Strangers in Space podcast, so that was uh, an experience as well. I'm in the catering industry, as you know, and I can, uh, I'm can i happy to report that there has been a distinct upward trend in the sale of seafood platters since your appearance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. Yeah. That was very nice. That was very nice. When are you going to go on the yeah, real thing? With uh, Kirsty, what's her face? Oh, she's stepped down, hasn't she? Desert Island Discs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess I could, I could, I could knock up um, eight bits of music for that. I still, I, you know, the brass band would probably still be in there. But yeah, it was nice. I mean, I, I asked um, Jr. if he'd help with with um, publicity for for our podcast, never imagining that he was going to invite me onto his. Um, but yeah, that was uh, that was that was nice, quite, quite interesting. I've prepared my music choices just in case you were going to foist um, Desert Island <laughs> discs on me. The first one is Eye Level by Simon Park. Oh yeah, yeah. But we're not doing that, are we? No, no, no. No, indeed. Yeah. Hmm. Good. So tell me, Tim, what what have you been, what have you been up to recently in the world of Doctor Who? Yeah, for instance. For instance. Uh, oh, not a lot. This and that. Well, I went up to the fated Fitzroy Tavern oh, yes. this week, I'm afraid, with half of your cast. Um, <laughs> so, 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 so that's why they're not on this, because you, you, you left them ill afterwards, did you? Only by virtue of my company, not anything else. <laughs> yeah, I met, I met with, um, with Paul and Giles. Giles yeah. is one of the very first people I met on my re-emergence into fandom. Mm -hmm. uh, we were at the Peter Capaldi announcement together with one or two other rogues off Gallifrey base. Right. And that was an interesting day. We were sat watching mainly for who would be revealed, but for looking for missing episode clues. So there was mm. a screen at the front which which fed the, the video that would, would go out over the broadcast. 
and we were scrutinising clips of the abominable snowmen and stuff, nudging each other, going, is that episode two? <laughs> 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 um, yes, which shows the sort of fevered atmosphere there was back in late 2013, I think. Mm. Yeah, no, went to the tavern, that was excellent. We met, I met uh, your listener. Um, <laughs> 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 lovely chap called Ian. Uh, he was very yeah. complimentary, actually, about 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 this podcast and uh, mine. He was surprised at the number of people who turned in each week because he felt it was a very deep cut thing. So I thought that was nice. He listens to a lot of stuff, so that was quite nice. Hello, Ian. Mm. Thank you for the pint. Um, yeah, that that was a fun evening. We went for a curry. There's a curry house next door. Um, Mm. And I made the mistake of uh, ordering something that was far too hot. I felt like a right idiot because I don't choose on heat, but I felt something less hot than I'd previously had, and I ended up leaving half of it because my face was melting into my naan bread. But that, yeah, that was mm. fun. Uh, been kicking. It's a shame I wasn't there, actually. Well, we didn't invite you. <laughs> no, we did. We did. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry, you were yeah. saying. It's a shame I wasn't there actually because um, I mean generally I can put put away almost anything. Just interrupting you, go on. Oh no, it's fine. That was it. And then and then, and then not a lot really. I've been um, I've been watching a bit of the uh, season ten box set. Mm-hmm. That's been that's, that's so, been good. Uh, so what do, you, what do you think of that? Do you, do you like the the, uh, the box set? Yes. Yes, I do. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Well, why not? I love the the series. I think they are a rich collection. Um, mm-hmm. I, I tend to be a little bit ambivalent about season 10. I find the journey of Pertwee more interesting and engaging than the destination, which is sort of the end product, isn't it, season 10? Mm. Um, I, 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 think, I think those 12 episodes in the middle really bog it down as a two-parter. I'm not a fan of Planet of the Daleks at all, if I'm allowed to say that. Uh, but the last story is The Green Death, I think, is a genuine masterpiece of mm-hmm. Doctor Who. I think it is wonderful. I think uh, maybe it is maybe it is the first masterpiece of Doctor Who. I don't know. I'm, I'm probably being disingenuous to some earlier stuff there. But, uh, yeah, The Green Death sort of makes up for the, the Planet of the Daleks. The set itself is, is great. The, it gets better as it goes on in terms of the the value adding material the mm. behind the sofa stuff was was good uh john levine was somewhat reined in because he would get called <laughs> out on his um he'd get called in on some of his more eccentric storytelling wouldn't he uh reined mm. in uh by by joe so that was very good and i didn't mind the new who lot either um i thought that was an interesting take i don't quite agree with with what they drew from it but um yeah no very nice set indeed and the the best thing so far that i've seen is the the the, the feature on the green death right disc you know where they all go back to wales and hmm. i thought that was uh really well put together a really nice piece but yeah have you have you have you seen much of it yeah i mean i've i've, I've dipped in really um I've, I've seen two or three things i mean i i like you i, th- I think these are the definitive classic series or, or original series mm. uh, output i mean it, they've got everything that the dvds had and, and a bit more and I, I can't imagine that anyone's going to dip into it again but but yeah it's really nicely packaged there's there's lots of new stuff on it but the old stuff that i might have passed by uh, previously 
Uh, I'm also watching that and, and I'm really enjoying mm. it. Um, s- uh, season 10, uh, I, I think I'm a bit more enthusiastic about it maybe than, than you sounded. Um, I'm not, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I mean my, my absolute favourite is 7. Sure. And then I think I also quite like you know bit, bits of Pertwee here and there. Um, the Three Doctors is better in concept than in reality. And I, I do quite like the... Um, it's a bit of a romp. Front, frontier, frontier in space, though. Yeah, I mean, sure. I, 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 sort of, I sort of like it better than I think it ought to, because it is, it is all about the Doctor getting locked up about 15 times. Sure. And it's got but, Roger uh, Delgado at the sort of peak of his powers as well. And it, it stands better as a, a six-parter for me than it does as the 12-parter that it's more recently presented as, doesn't it? For, uh, yeah, for I, me. mean, I mean, I think, I think it's a very kind of weak linked 12 sure. parter I yeah. mean I, 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 I tend to think of them as, as two different yeah. things really and I mean whilst I probably think that and we'll talk about this later on that Day of the Daleks is probably the perfect unit story in the previous season nonetheless um, you know Green Death is is, is a, a lovely kind of coda to it I mean we, you, you, you've still got Invasion of the Dinosaurs I suppose and mm. uh, and then the kind of rather limp planet of spiders mm. to go, but 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 Green Death is probably the proper end to to the unit story and, and the Pertwee um, saga. Which which camp do you sit in on Carnival of Monsters? Um, I like it, but I don't love it. Oh right, okay. I, I mean, it's cle- it's clever, <coughs> and you know, there's there's some nice moments of charm with of, uh, Pertwee with with with. Um, Katie Manning, but somehow I, I, you know, I prefer the ones in Day, I think, to the ones in Carnival. Mm, I love it. But there we go. There, are, there tend to be sort of, you know, warm apathy and and people who adore it. I, I really enjoy it, which is which is which is why the the middle twelve parter. I know it's not a twelve parter, mm. but those two six parters tend to slam on the brakes a little bit for me. So you've got the romp, mm. then you've got the the Robert Holmes. Um, brilliant scripts which I love and, and it's fine that, that you don't but then you have the sort of brakes slammed on and then you end mm. up with an absolute classic masterpiece at the end with the Green Death so it's a it, it's a season that I have difficulty looking forward to until I'm through it um, mm. have, you, have you seen any of the restoration stuff done on Planet of the Daleks? No I haven't got that far the I don't know whether what, what else they have done to the recoloured episode 3 yeah or whether I've never really appreciated the work done on the last release of it, but it is amazing. No, I, I, th- I think the the stuff that was done for the DVD was a bit... It wasn't quite there, so I think they had to do quite a lot for this to, to improve it. It's amazing, Richard. Uh, it, mm. it is... When you think about what they have done, um, mm. you know, getting the two colour... The best of the... The, se- mm. the, the the purely computer generated color that they first applied to it, and then yeah. the chroma dot sort of richness, but inaccuracy, mm. and then the combination of the two. It is amazing, especially towards the end when they're in that room at the bottom of the lift shaft, and you have this bright orange hue to the room, and mm. and the way it looks on the restored version is phenomenal. It, it's it's mm. perfect. I, well, I can't uh, to my untrained eye, I can't see it. And then it's rather a shame, but they, I suppose, they had to put CGI in effect effects in one of the stories, and I can't really think of where they would have been better placed. But they needn't have bothered, to be honest. Mm. For instance, the um, the the 
Dalek set at the end with the hundreds of toy Daleks in in the original. Yeah. They've replaced those with very clearly CGI Daleks. Yeah. Do you see do you see what I mean? There's no benefit to it. In one you're looking at no. toy Daleks. They've replicated the movement in the reconstructed CGI version. Um yeah. and there's and when the liquid ice flows in at the end, it looks worse. And then mm. they've got a very obviously redone Dalek spaceship, which so closely imitates the original that you might as mm. well have just used the original, apart from it's got some flames out at the bottom and stuff. So it was a bit of a misfire, that bit, but I, yeah, I don't yeah. care. I can take or leave the, the, the special editions. Um, I won't bother with that one again, but I quite liked it on Revenge of the Cybermen. Sure. Yeah, I mean, the irony is that, that um, the shot with the models... Is um, is the first thing I actually remember oh. from Doctor <laughs> Who, right? Uh, so I, I mean, I remember the um, the ice pouring in to, to you know, and, and and them all getting swept away. So clearly, to a whatever I was at the time, five year old, I think it was convincing enough as it was, even if it's obviously um, toy Daleks. But I'm not sure that that um, um, replacing it with this always happens. This always happens in my life, Richard. Always happens. Yeah. People talk about what was number one when you were born. And I've got friends yeah. who have got Queen, or I've got a friend whose number one is paperback writer. Do you know what mine is? Hmm. <laughs> Go on, then. I was going to swear then, but I'm not I'm trying not to. It, it's Bloody Bright Eyes by Art Garfunkel. <laughs> <laughs> this happens with my uh. Doctor Who. Your first memory is uh, Planet of the Daleks, this revered yeah. Pertwee story revered you know in the sense that it was everything doctor who could have been to a kid other people have power of the daleks or whatever do you know what mine is hmm. is adric flailing around in that bloody machine in kinder <laughs> oh, it's no wonder i'm grumpy is it yeah yeah anyway <laughs> sorry ranting i should do a podcast where yeah, i yeah. i'm grumpy about things shouldn't i yeah, yeah, yeah. Bright eyes. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there we are. That's what I've been up to. I've just stepped down as a moderator on uh, the best Doctor Who forum going, which has been nice. Nice having a day or two without without that, having to tell people to get back on topic or editing um, people's comments. So that's lovely. Yeah. Got to say, you've yes. got to hand it to the management on that site. They uh, They deal with some stuff. But at the same time, it allows for the... I think what is the freest, if not formally the most Wild West conversation going. So I've just stepped down from that. And then other than that, I've been arguing with Philip Morris on Twitter. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, 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 I thought that would be a, another good topic for our discussion. Yes. Because, you know, I mean, we've, 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 we've talked from time to time about Phil Morris and, and his, his quest to find missing Doctor Who and indeed missing other stuff. And... Well, there've been some 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 interesting revelations. I mean, not not really interesting, but kind of slightly mm. interesting today that have come out of that spat that uh, I thought would be worth chewing over briefly with you. Fine. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, it all started with our um, acquaintance uh, Anthony Carroll doing one of his usual, you know, about, about twice a month. He seems to to um, tweet Phil and mm. say, "What's going on, Ben? What's the latest?" But but for um, for some reason, Phil Morris actually answered back today. Hmm. And uh, so the first thing he said was, you presume lighting blue touch paper refers to Doctor Who? Hmm. And then he says, for goodness sake, it's like Monty Python, everything's a sign. I suppose he's talking about the life of Brian in there. 
It was something I referred to at the launch of BFI anniversary event to launch a large recovery of missing comedy. Mm. Well, the BFI anniversary event was to launch a large recovery of missing <laughs> yeah. comedy. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, and he did mention the blue touch paper thing there. Yeah. And then, you know, our, our, our friend Paul Morris. He's not my friend. He might be your friend. He's not my friend. I just keep running oh. into him. Okay, fair enough. He said that um, he asked if Light and the Blue Touch Paper referred to, you know, are you implying it refers to your comedy returns last year? Um, he said, as he says, that would be odd because he said it at the end of the event in reference to your plans for big surprises in 2019. Yeah. And he says, which I'm. Which, <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, which I'm not assuming a Doctor Who. Yeah. So I thought, I mean, it, it, it might be instructive to, to remind ourselves what actually happened at that event. Yes. Um, and seeing as I was in the room, um, you know, I've, I've got a pretty good memory of it. But not only that, um, I made a, uh, a sly recording of it, so so I know what happened word for word. Yeah. So at the end of of, of, of the discussion, and and it was, it did precede the showing of the of of the film. So what happened was, Dick Fiddy got Phil Morris up to have a discussion about what he what he was doing, mm. and then at the end of that, they played out with the Morecambe and Wise episode, the um, Harry Worth. Sid James, and there may have been something else. Mm. Anyway, uh, at the end of their discussion, he said, thank you all for coming, that's, that's to everyone in the audience. Mm. It's always a treat to see so many of you here, and I'll see you here soon, maybe March. And, and we speculated at the time mm. what that meant, but that was probably for the um, for the, for the DVD of Macro Terror. Mm. And Phil came back and he said, oh, and thank you all from me and Tia. Mm. And we're going to light the blue touch paper mm. and we'll be seeing you all next year with some big surprises. Mm. Now, I mean, it is just possible that when he says, and we're going to light the blue touch paper, mm. what he means is, get ready to be excited for these next few films you're going to watch of Morecambe Wise, etc. I mean, none of it, everyone assumed that what he meant was he's lighting the, the the fuse for a big explosion next year mm. but i mean he could he could possibly but say it, look he clarified on twitter today that he was actually referring to when challenged that yes. he had actually been referring to the next bfi event featuring the scaffold right but but then he says we'll be seeing you all next year with some big surprises yes now i mean the, the scaffold you know let's be generous it could be a big surprise it certainly wouldn't be some big surprises well, the other surprise could be that it's only scaffold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll I mean, scaffold that. is obviously um, a reasonably sized deal because it's garnered coverage on the BBC. I counter that. I counter that point with that the BBC likes missing episode stories and it doesn't mm. particularly matter what it is. So, you know... The one show is especially seems to especially enjoy it. BBC Breakfast seems to especially enjoy it. The one show gave over a couple of minutes to um, a few seconds of Apollo Eleven TV footage that was found. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I think it, it, to hit a platform uh, or a route into the national consciousness like that, it is obviously a big deal. But what those of us who have studied the events of the last six, seven, eight years have seen alluded to in um, the interpretations of what everybody has taken from what Phil Morris has said, from the noises made by Fiddy Scent and others, that 
we actually should be expecting something far more substantial mm. than that, if not bigger in terms of what it is, but hundreds, if not thousands, of releases. And so it is underwhelming, yes. both in terms of um, the act itself, I'm sorry, but I find it underwhelming, mm -hmm. when we could be talking about something that more people would have an interest in. So, so, I mean, so one interesting thing he did mm. say was he said... So replying back to Paul, he said one thing it does not refer to, mm. like the blue touch paper, is Doctor Who, as you correctly state. Mm. Uh, so, so, so I, so I guess what he's saying is, you know, don't hold your breath for any more Doctor Who, which, which I think it this year that doesn't really that, that doesn't that doesn't say that he does whether he does or doesn't no, have any more, but it, but 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 clearly what it does say is. That's, it's not getting returned anytime soon, and I, mm. and I think we all kind of imagined that was probably the case, but it just saves us from worrying mm. about it. Yes, indeed. But it, um, I mean, I know you've I know you've argued previously that uh, he he's going to try and maximise the publicity for whatever finds he has, perhaps before releasing the bigger stuff. But uh, it seems quite counterintuitive to me. Nothing quite gels. The Morecambe and Wise thing doesn't quite work. He he said. Uh, in semi publicly before about the the episode that Charles Norton was restoring using his dentistry equipment. Um, did you know Charles Norton had dentistry equipment? That's what it sounded like. Uh, no, but the episode that he was restoring it already alluded to the fact that he's probably got another copy of it. But mm. the reality is that he's released two different episodes from that same yes. series. So I wonder if 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 the painful truth of, of the whole thing might be that buoyed by the optimism of a tremendous Doctor Who find at the start and a room in Joss full of stuff uh, that everything that he would subsequently check he might have talked in, in positive terms about, in unnaturally positive terms and it's all sort of spun out from there yeah I'm not in a good place with an ability to interpret anything that, that he has said now in a optimistic view in terms of in terms of the substantial finds that we've been led to believe are on the horizon which is a shame really because had there not been this sustained hyperbole uh, from multiple people over the years then we'd be truly celebrating every single scrap that is returned but it seems mm. somewhat anticlimactic all the time doesn't it well, I mean, so, so I'll tell you where I am. So, so where I am is that you know, clearly, clearly we had the the we had the Doctor Who returns in in twenty thirteen, and then mm. nothing mm. for um, the best part of five years. Yeah. And then there was the announcement on the one show mm. of these comedy returns, mm. which led us wondering, well, what's you know what's going to come after that? And then there was the BFI event, and he said, well, you know prepare for big surprises I also talked to him privately and, and he made optimistic noises there mm. so I, I I mean I wasn't expecting Doctor Who to be released this year but I was expecting a big announcement of missing TV and, and, and so the one announcement of, of the scaffold and then nothing since and this you know this suggestion now ranting on twitter that there's nothing really in the pipeline either makes me feel well it's not it's no, there's no point holding our breath mm. you know phil, phil may return other stuff as and when he's ready but but 
I had seen, I had imagined that, that, that a pipeline was opening up of new things and it doesn't really seem to be that way anymore. No, and there have been several false dawns over the, over the last six years, frankly, all triggered by a, a reasonable, realistic, real-world view and interpretation of what has been said by Phil Morris in those six years. Hmm. And it's never, the, the trousers have never really matched the mouth in that regard so it should be a it should be a lesson i mean i i, I admit and, and you'll know um from our podcasts and our conversation that i've been in this place for uh, a while and it, it's just now i just sort of feel it's a shame that um that a, a lot of the goodwill has been disposed of in in you know in, in his actions and, and in what he said where it, it could certainly be the other way around by virtue of forget the nine episodes of Doctor Who, but by virtue of the, the odds and ends that he's he's returned, they, they would have had a fascinating story. He's found the mm. biggest hall of Doctor Who ever. Mm-hmm. But I've been reflecting today, well, well, why was he trying to downplay and downsize the amount that Ian Levine found shortly after the, the, the 2013 announcement? What mm. is the motive for doing that and and you see someone who uh, could be argued to be interested in his own image um and you wonder if that was posturing to set set people up for a fall after something perhaps hadn't worked out but i i don't know i think i think my i think my view is reasonable i th- I, I think i think it i think it's a, a realistic interpretation of what's gone on i was you know back in 2013 14 um when you were 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 coming back onto the forums uh mm-hmm. during the height of the madness when yeah, yeah. 90 episodes were were definitely back and everybody in the BBC knows about it and the DVDs are being produced and the next one will be mm. the massacre remember or whatever well. yeah. yeah um you won't remember but i i was one of the first people who had been swept along in the madness to start challenging what what was being said because frankly i'd had a couple of conversations with people um who were quite closely connected to things and they they were they gave me complete and utter pause for thought because what they were saying had terrible implications for both the rumors and some of the sort of politics involved and mm-hmm. one thing that that i was told um and naturally, I, I I wouldn't say who it was uh, because that wouldn't be fair to embarrass them. But one thing I was told is that this particular person didn't believe that he had any more Doctor Who, and mm. that what had happened is that he had got the big win at the start and had various other opportunities and was so confident he was talking about them as a done deal. And I've kept that right. I've kept that at arm's length for five six years it's always been there Mm. but to me this is starting to seem to be a realistic option anyway i I think i'm going to write a a blog post about it or something so i can map it all out and Mm. and and sense check my own feelings about it but yeah i'm not i'm not troubled by it i've been okay with this for a a couple of years it's just sad if anything to Mm. see to see that this is becoming increasingly becoming a, a likelihood yeah so there we are there we are yeah i mean i, th- I mean i think it's uh, perhaps to sign off i mean I, on this one i think it's 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 without question in my mind that these 
rumours mm. did not come from nowhere. Mm. Um, sure. And you know, I, well, we know they. I'm, conv- I'm, I'm convinced that Phil Morris has has encouraged other people to believe that he's found more. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, wh- whether whether or not he has. Um, you know, he he was the person that that, that um, caused those rumours to start in the first mm. place. Now, I mean, obviously, it got out of control, mm. and and he very quickly tried to quash it when 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 it when it came out in public. But um, yeah, if 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 it turns out that he that he didn't find anything more, then the reason why we thought it was a ca- the case was because you know there was there was very good evidence to suggest that he told other people that that there were. Yeah, I th- I, I, the the sadness for me is that that we should be constantly celebrating the, these nine episodes and i am Indeed. i yeah, am yeah. yeah yeah but the lack of closure on this situation which could so easily have been closed hmm. is preventing that and therefore uh, you find yourself wondering if you're being petty you find yourself wondering if uh, you are under under crediting what who is obviously someone who is obviously an incredibly hard working bloke hmm. but his PR is an absolute and utter disaster. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it, it's really difficult. It, it's a hard situation to be grateful for, notwithstanding the obviously brilliant, wonderful, game-changing nine episodes that we have. And if you'd have asked me ten years ago, I'll give you nine episodes of Doctor Who, but you have to be hmm. you have to be run around the internet a little bit, or you know, have this this thing in your life for for however many years then then a bit in your hand off hmm. but it's just a shame that it so obviously could have been a wholly wonderful situation yes yes well i i, I mean it seems to me clear that bbc studios have moved on absolutely um, yes and and and, and i yeah. think we should too okay do you want to talk about season 11 well i sort of forgot to say didn't i in the doctor who stuff i've been up to so as i recall when i invited you to um to take part in uh, 13 cast yes you said something along the line to me along the lines of you'd sooner gouge your own eyes out than watch series 11 and yet word reaches me that you have indeed been doing that very thing <coughs> yes <laughs> so so i just wondered to, you know what your what your thoughts were on the subject can i can i explain why certainly i had a significant birthday <coughs> Yes, well, I've already given it away with um, <laughs> Arthur Garfunkel's <laughs> yes, indeed. Eyes. Um and uh, yeah, I had a, sig- a significant birthday, and a, a well-meaning relative purchased it for me as a, hmm. a present of significance. Hmm, how thoughtful! So I was then caught in a in a trap because I've got everything else that exists on on DVD or Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. I was then caught in a trap uh, where I had the season 11 blu-ray but i didn't have twice upon a time and i didn't have the new year's day special no so not only was i forced to sort of venture into season 11 but i also had to fork out another 40 quid or whatever it was (laughs) for the two specials either side so yes i've watched it would it be impolite of me to, to point out that these are currently freely available on the iplayer Yes, but I don't have the iPlayer partially incomplete on the shelf, <laughs> gnawing Fair away enough. at me, at my yeah, psyche. Yeah. yeah, so, yes, I've watched them. I've watched them, which was mm. an interesting angle to come in at, because because I was moderating on on uh, Planet Mondas Forum, 
you, as you can as you can imagine, uh, the 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 review threads there were quite a heated place. So I was already well versed in the views there, and I'd already listened to this podcast called Thirteen Cast because I like to hear my friends talking about Doctor Who. So I. I had a degree of expectation about it yeah. from having read a lot and watched a lot. And uh, I ended up with quite a different opinion to uh, the expectations that I had. Not to say that I enjoyed it, but I, I sort of enjoyed certain aspects more than I thought I would and, would and other aspects less than I thought I would. So in brief, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I'm on record as being an avowed uh, I don't believe they should change the sex of a character for, for mm-hmm. the sake of itself. Sure. And I had to park that cause to watch it at all. So I found Jodie Whittaker to be rather good and rather good more often than not in playing the role that she was written. But I found the characterization poor. Um, mm-hmm. I found yeah. I found her very monotone in that she was always up, she was always twee, she was always goody goody, and certainly in New Who, all of the doctors have had that ability to be up and vibrant and funny and large, and then turn to serious and dramatic. And I don't remember a single instance when she pulled that off. Mm. But I thought her I thought her um, the performance was. Very often the least distracting thing, but the characterization was... It, it, it wasn't there for me. And, yeah. and So are you blaming Chibnall for that? Sure, yeah. I'm also blaming yeah. Chibnall for the fact that the Doctor's character kept talking about being a woman. Hmm. Which just isn't true to character, because, you know, Hartnell didn't walk around talking about his old nudger all the time, did hmm. he? But she was obsessed with, with talking about being a woman and if it's a natural thing for a, a time lord to um, bounce between sexes per generation then it would be nothing remarkable at all so anyway the, the positive yeah. thing is it was the I mean I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about middle-aged men who write lots of lines about people being women well you know, I, mean, I mean I mean Moffat was never very authentic sure. when he was doing that either absolutely it, it, it um Anyway, uh, and, uh, and we also have to worry about a middle-aged man writing lines for Yaz as well, because I thought she was from the first episode. I thought she was one of the most promising characters, and mm. then by episode two, she was uh, episode two, which I think is one of the worst pieces of TV I've ever seen, and it's the only time in Doctor Who where I've actually said I could have written that better, <laughs> because it made no sense, and you had the great Art Malik, the great actor. Mm absolutely wasted and folding in the last scene because uh, they've threatened to hunt him down anyway I don't want to get into story by story or anything um, no. but by episode 2 Yaz was comparing the plight of the this bounty hunter who'd lost her family or whatever had happened and beaten several thousand people for race so that she could go and free her people or whatever was going on she compared that plight to her plight about her sister wanting to get in her bedroom Mm. and it was awful and that was so obviously and shallowly a plea to try and connect with a teenage audience probably a teenage female audience that it could only have been written by somebody who had no idea what what being a, a teenage female was like and she did it again later on and she was completely underwhelming and I felt quite sorry for the character don't want to say sorry for the actress but I felt quite sorry for the character when she was stuck in back with her family who were brilliant you know in the spiders one 
mm. when they were at home. I thought they were funny and full of life and vim, yeah. and and then you just had this completely bland poor girl who wasn't being serviced at all well by the scripts. There, Graham mm. was fine. Graham was good. He's a good actor, isn't he? Um, Bradley, Bradley Walsh. Walsh yeah. uh, was it Grace? The the wife. Yeah. I thought she was fantastic, um, mm-hmm. and I quite enjoyed the lad as well. Um, none more so than when he started larking around. Uh, <laughs> so in I think it was the spiders one. He was doing some shadow puppetry in the in the oh background yes, yeah, in the yeah, lab, yeah, 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 and I thought that was good. lovely and engaging and and yeah. fine. Um, they didn't do anything with the dyspraxia thing, which yeah. which was a, a weird choice. Again, in episode two, they had this... Th- I think it's the last time they visited the dyspraxia from memory. They had him uh, wanting to climb up a ladder to escape whatever they were escaping. Yeah. And it was like a minute of, will they, won't they? Will he, won't he, yeah. will he, won't he? And then they just sort of do this weird jump cut to a couple of minutes down the line. And you, it, yeah. was, it was weird, man. It was strange. He, he seemed to remember he was dyspraxic whenever it suited the plot and yeah. then forgot about it when it didn't. Yeah. Didn't enjoy Rosa. Loved the, l- I really enjoyed Rosa Whitaker, uh, Rosa Whitaker, uh, Jodie Whitaker in Rosa, but uh, mm. I thought that was uh, more of a, a primary school sort of uh, BBC schools uh, education piece. Demons of the Punjab. Uh, I thought that was okay, but they really rather missed the point of the division. <coughs> in that it was one of the greatest mistakes in history mm. causing one of the greatest uh, calamitous uh, losses of life um, I think I'm right in saying on the same sort of scale as the Holocaust millions of people lost their lives mm. um, and they just sort of sidestepped that completely so I found that a complete misfire Yeah, uh, and we're still suffering the political ramifications oh, indeed, to this day indeed. Uh, but so I thought, that, I thought that was a bit of a, a, a bullet dodge to sort of wrap that mm. up in a family feud a family uh, Romeo and Juliet type uh, family thing um, mm. uh, there were some episodes which I just didn't couldn't engage with at all what was the one on the spaceship the Suranga the Conundrum, conundrum. Oh, that was never ending word salad I couldn't mm. I couldn't see through that at all I mean it looked fantastic but it just was a yeah, shame I just couldn't really much I, I was and towards the end as well with the battle of whatever it was and I just found myself more and more reaching for the phone and um, yeah. and telling people to get back on topic on the forums and things uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it was a hard slog towards yeah. the end oh, the, the one I did enjoy and I did enjoy one was Kablam hmm. um, and I thought that was uh, the least problematic it, it avoided what I thought would be a pitfall of uh, the Capaldi episode where he literally said ah it's capitalism um, they avoided that which mm. was quite refreshing and I thought it was it, I thought it was sort of the most Doctor Who-ish story and, th- and then they had the witch one which I thought which I thought showed lots and lots and lots of promise and then just failed to deliver but in- mm. interestingly or not the two writers who were on the behind the sofa feature were the two writers of those two stories and right. the story i enjoyed pete mctye is immersed in classic who he writes the liner notes for the for the blu-ray sets and obviously uh-huh. knew and, and and both he and collinson were nursing the other writer through series 10 so it just strikes me that I like the story written by the guy who is obviously immersed in classic who more than anyone else 
and the story I didn't like because I didn't think it was very Doctor Who-ish was written by the lady who wasn't familiar with season 10 hmm. anyway it, 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 it was awful complete lack of threats complete lack of menace the writing was was terrible uh, there was one story which was passable and therefore enjoyable uh, for me and there was a complete lack of drive about the entire thing it just seemed like a an exercise in all of them running down a corridor together in a line and yeah it it, it was very very disappointing from Chibnall's point mm. of view but the least of the problems was actually Jodie's betrayal of the Doctor mm. for me yes, yes. it could only yeah, get better uh, put it that way well we've got um, we've got series 12 to look forward to uh, starting next year um, one, one has to hope that um, that some lessons have been learned. Well, there's a rumour going around today that that she's left, but um, it's probably um, rubbish. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it wouldn't be she her leaving is is less of an issue than than Chibnall leaving. I I don't think he will find the ability to be able to um, write well for such a show as I would want to watch in the space of a year but there we go there we go i've watched it anyway very good <laughs> okay so 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 bring us back then to um to where we started yes and uh, our our something who quest yes dare the dalek and blink yes so you you suggested earlier that that, that there uh, was a um day of the daleks and blink hmm Day of the Daleks is one of the stories that uh, I didn't have. I, I, when I grew up with Doctor Who, I was very lucky, and I was I was lucky and unlucky in the, in the respect that it went off air when I was about ten. Hmm. But at the same time, I didn't particularly feel allegiance to one Doctor because all the videos were coming out on on video. And but yes. but Day of the Daleks was one of the otherworldly ones because it was one that I didn't have. So hmm. um, interesting. So. So Nicholas, who lived in the next street, had uh, things exotic titles because I'd watch them to death, you know, Death mm. to the Daleks and Seeds of uh, the Seeds of Death and Revenge of the Cybermen. I'd just watch them repeatedly, over and over and over mm. and over again. But Nicholas, who lived uh, in a couple of streets away, he had exotic titles like Day of the Daleks and mm. the Talons of Weng Chiang. But I didn't think they were as good as mine because um, I didn't have them. <laughs> but yeah, okay. Day of the Daleks. Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, interesting. I mean, uh, so, so Day of the Daleks was one of the first ones to come out on VHS. Yes. So this would have been back in the mid eighties, eighty five ish. I seem to recall saving up some money and and sending it to the Doctor Appreciation Society to get it at a slightly reduced rate. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, I mean, uh, 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 and also it was one of the early target novelizations as well. So on both counts, yeah, it story it's, it's the target familiar with from early. It's the target novelization. I, I think I'm right in saying that had the most reprints. Right. Because I used to collect the reprints. I had you know 700 target books, and mm. uh, I think I'm right in saying. Well, it's certainly one of them. It had so many reprints with two or three different covers so it was mm. certainly uh, a popular one for 
anything with Daleks was, to be honest. But it was a certainly a popular one on the shelves. It's also um, an early instance of, <laughs> I think, BBC Enterprises back in the 80s when they were going to put it out on video. Somebody there obviously knew there was an issue with it being Day of the Three Daleks because they stuck five on the VHS cover. In <laughs> 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 um, that sort of icon, well, I think of it as an iconic uh, cover, you know, the gold Dalek in the middle yeah. and the, the, the two either side of it flanking. Um, mm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, what do you think about it? What do you think of it as a as a, as a Doctor Who story episode? So, so I so I like it, mm. but most of the reasons why I like it aren't to do with Daleks. <laughs> um, yeah, well, you, you're left yeah. with that sort of choice in many of Terry Nation's Dalek stories, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, this this is uh, this is Louis Marx. Yeah, yeah um, oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. But you um, yeah. So the things I like about it are the Doctor and Joe. Yeah. So you know, I mean, I mean you've got Pertwee chomping his way through Styles's um, uh, larder and, and his cellar, uh, which is rather amusing. But also that the, there's there's quite a lot of of opportunity for the two of them mm. to chat together about a bunch of things, mm. and they do so in uh, you know I, I think that, you know that they're it, it, that's as good as any other time in that era. Mm those kind of one-on-one can i can um, i just restore my doctor who credentials because i'm dying that i said it was um a terry nation but what of course happened is they had the louis marx thing and then they stuck the daleks in and terry nation got very upset about it and then over some rich bbc lunch they persuaded him to write planet i just wanted to show i'm complete not a complete uh moron in that regard (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm absolutely certain that, 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 that over many years you've written out long lists of, of uh, directors <laughs> yeah. and story writers yeah. and producers and script yeah. editors and so on, like, you know, like everyone else. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm sure I'll make an equally egregious mistake somewhere along the line <laughs> that you can you can point out to me. Yeah. So yeah, uh, um, uh, uh, the, the the unit the unit setup is is very good in it, isn't it? It's very yes. uh, it, it, it clicks perhaps as yeah. well as it does at any other point. I think yeah. I think it's an absolutely I, I think it's Nicholas Courtney's most polished performance actually hmm. he's just very good in it um, and hmm. that is perhaps uh, juxtaposed by other actors in it perhaps not having their best story I don't think it's Pertwee's best story certainly not at the start there's a bit where he's getting out the baffle gab at the start about the TARDIS dematerialization circuit as if it's some other piece of kit and he's holding it in his hand Hmm. You'll have to go back and see what I mean, but he, he's 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 so just learnt the lines. He's not acting, um, yeah, yeah. but unfortunately, the 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 thing that does let it down in the acting department are three roles that leap to mind: Ogron two, <laughs> <laughs> no complications, no complications, um, yeah. and the awful woman who works oh, the yes. the scanner. Or whatever it is yeah. in future Earth. I, I'm, I'm moving my hands around. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then the controller is is I find quite difficult as well. A little bit melodramatic. Yeah, but I, 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 I love it yeah. as a story. Yes. Yeah. I mean, so so I think the th- thing that I like best of all. I mean, clearly there's a massive great hole in the middle of it because they have to invent the Blinovich limitation yeah. effect to get over yeah. that. Yeah. But but if you live with the conceit that time is passing in 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 the future and in the present at the same rate, mm. the the you know the idea that uh, the rebels have caused the problem that they're trying to resolve, I, I think is very neat and it, and and it's one of the yeah the times they actually ab- you know, address the issue of, t- of time travel in that kind of way. 
is it the first? There's a space museum. Yeah, I was going to say yeah, the, the space museum. That, but um, but apart from um, the space museum, I think that's it. I think I'm sure your listener will write in if we're wrong. But um, <laughs> I think that's it. And and for a story that uh, for a, a TV show which the oil in the wheels is the grease in the wheels is time travel. Hmm. It, it's sort of unusual. You think that they haven't tackled time travel and its issues yes. more often. But yeah, it, it, it's a, a great story. It's let down somewhat in the production, I think, compared to others of the era. Yeah, yeah. A bit that leaps to mind is I don't know which episode it is in, but there's um, the controller at some point has I think it's the Ogon scene, you know, the no complications scene. Yeah, and he's sort of facing one way, looking at talking to the Daleks or something, and he's in this sort mm. of 1960s uh, bubble chair thing, <laughs> and he, yeah. he has to turn around to face the Ogrons. And yeah. <laughs> it's got some little dynamo in it that is supposed to be turning the chair. And it's got this big, right. impressive sound effect over it. Yeah. <laughs> but he has to sort of help it round with his feet. Um, oh, right. And then you've got the trike chase, which the Ogons are deliberately yeah. lolloping yeah, around it, behind it, in case it, they overtake. It's not the fastest vehicle but that they've ever It's heard. a poor critic who sort of slams the production values in early Doctor Who. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, compared to the rest of it, I think it lets it down. The d- again, I don't want to be shallow, but I can't produce the sort of critique that, that your regulars can. But the Dalek voices, they're a bit painful, aren't they? Yeah. Yes, very poor. Yeah. But for some reason, you take all of these sort of slightly misfired elements, you know, the famous exposition scene, which I don't mind at all, which is in the last episode. Hmm. And you, but you take all of these elements and put them together and you end up with a nice big thick slice of classic Doctor Who which is more than the sum of its parts and, and somehow transcends those and it, it, it's alright I think, I think a lot of that is to do with the if, if season 10 is the end of the journey for the whole package of what Pertwee, what the Pertwee era is sort of trying to find its way towards they mm. certainly nail unit in that story. Uh, what else is there in that season, unit-wise? Uh, the time monster, which... Oh, uh, dear. But, uh, yeah, Day of the Daleks, it, 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 it's certainly a pleasure to watch, if only for the interplay of the, the regulars. It's a, it's a bit thin that season, isn't it? Because you get, you get the Sea Devils, which, which uh, uh, yeah, yeah. writes unit out in favour of the Royal Navy. Yeah, sure. Uh, there's, there's Curse of Peladon. Curse of Peladon. What's after the Sea Devils? Um, oh, it's the Mutants. Mutants. Mm. Which yeah, I quite yeah, like, yeah, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Mutants is all right, but... But, but, but that um, one gets a hard but yeah, time. Yeah, the, the, the Time Monster is, is, is definitely a bit mm. tricky. Yeah. So, yeah, a, 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 a troubled production. Um, a good story that works with or without Daleks, mm. evidently, because that's how it was written. But it, they worked mm. quite well. Um, as an idea of sort of crowbarring them in, and thanks to that story, we get the Daleks coming back uh, more often. So yeah, mm. yeah, fondly thought of, fondly remembered. I, I could stick that on and watch it just about in front of any other Pertwee, but to enjoy it perhaps as much for its faults as its successes. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think it's uh, it's it's perhaps a um, 
a, a mark of, of maturity. Well, when I say maturity, maybe maybe that's a bit grand, but you know, to to be able to to watch something, cringe through all the things that aren't very good, and yet say, well, you know, in the end, it doesn't really matter. I don't cringe I'm, through I'm them. I, I enjoy, enjoy them more than more than cringe. Yes, through them. there are some things I cringe through in classic Who, like the accents in certain space pirates <laughs> ones, and um, yeah. The gunfighters. Oh, he passed away today. Oh, it was announced he passed away today. One of the gunfighters with the bad accent. So I feel bad for saying that. Oh dear. So, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. So on the other on the other hand, it won't be coming back. <laughs> Richard, that's very mean spirited for you. Too soon. Wow. Okay. I'm obviously having the right sort of influence over you. Uh, I I don't know if we've done enough justice to the theme of Day of the Daleks, but it is the it is the time travel time travel conundrum, you know. Yeah, um, I mean it's also coming, I suppose, from early seventies terrorism, isn't it? That, that I guess there must be some sort of theme coming out of the seventy two um, Olympics and something like that. Is uh, it too is it too early for that? The IRA were were very active then. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe it is. I mean, if it is, it's certainly a a less obvious reference than some of the other political themes which are weaved throughout mid to late Pertwee Doctor Who. Hmm. You know, Green Death and Invasion of the Dinosaurs and, 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 and. Miners' disputes and so on. Um, Hmm. Maybe. It's certainly reflective of the the Doctor's wish to avoid the need for for terrorist action, isn't it? And and that act, Hmm. that totally literally comes comes true uh, at the end yeah uh, but yeah it, the theme itself the story is a good one the, the time travel mm. uh, thing is a good one um i remember some complaint on the dvd about the exposition in the last episode but i think it quite worked i, I was fine with it yeah, yeah modern doctor who doesn't have time to sit down and talk about what's going on for 10 minutes by jove mm. some of moffat's stuff needed to there was, a, there was a suggestion on um, Radio Free Scarrow, I recall, that, that it was something of a riff on the Day of the Jackal, um, about uh. the, the, the assassination of um, Charles de Gaulle. Oh, I'm not. I'm not familiar with um, with Day of the Jackal. No, no, no. A bit before your Full time. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, quite. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not familiar with with the material. Mm. No. There's a film with. One of the foxes, Edward or James, I forget which. One of those, Edward James yeah. Fox. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Well, there you go. There you go. I'm okay, we'll draw. Uh, we'll, we'll draw a veil, and that'll probably edit it out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what the whole section? <laughs> no, no, no. And so, so go on. No, fire away. I was going to move us on to Blink. Blink, 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 Blinkers. The show which I would show to anybody who I suspect might like Doctor Who but wouldn't perhaps have the patience to watch something less dynamic as Blink Mm. yeah at the time an absolutely standout episode in a standout season or certainly a season Mm. with standout episodes Uh, is the family of blood before or after you're you're asking me as if I would know no it must be after well, it's in the midst of the uh, of that season, and uh, those three, I think, are possibly the best for me of classic Who. It's after the Family of Blood. Because, after the Family the, of the, Blood, the, 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 there's a next episode, Utopia. On, on yes, that. and that, and so you have you have those two. You have the the Family of Blood two-parter. You have Blink. You have Utopia, yes. 
and the sound yes. of drums, yes. and then the slightly weird last episode. Dobby um, one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, quite. Um, but I think that is just about as good as Doctor Who could possibly be in, a, mm. in the New Who format. And then earlier in the season, you've got Smith and Jones, which is perfectly good and insane. Mm-hmm. And I don't mind the Witches one. I don't mind it mm-hmm. at all. I know others, uh, others have a, bit, a less view. And then you've got the utterly marvellous Gridlock. Yeah, yes. And I have, to, I have to say that in whichever episode you talked about, the Macro Terror and Gridlock, mm. uh, the analysis provided by mainly Giles, yeah. with interjections from Paul... Um, mainly Paul and then and then yourself uh, that was absolutely stunning to listen to I thought that was some of the best some of the best goddamn podcast I've ever listened to and I text Charles when I stopped listening to it slightly blown away um, mm. yeah no superb so what a good season but yeah, yeah. in that season you have this 45 minutes 40 minutes whatever it is of Blink which at the time, uh, absolutely blew me away. Hmm. Um, yeah, and the odd the odd thing is, it, it's one of these ones. It's a filler, isn't it? I mean, they've they've, they've yeah. got a slot. They can't use much of Tenant. Yeah. So they've got to cram something else in its place. Yeah. I mean, obviously they they they're using Stephen Moffat, who's who's one of the better writers. Mm. So yeah, it, 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 that gives it a chance. But yeah, it, it is Doctor Who, but it's it, it's it's got the least amount of Doctor Who in it of the whole season. I also wonder as well. Okay, isn't it the case that the Doctor Light episodes are often brilliant though? So you've got Blink, you've got yes. you've got Turn Left, struggling to yeah. think of others. So it is at least twice the case. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, Lo- Love Light and Monsters is the other one. I mean, it oh, really no, it's, it's no, sort no, of no, like no, kind no, of love no, it or hate it one. That no, one. No, no, that, yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, but. <laughs> But I also hate Blink for the simple reason that uh, I tend to think it is the success of Blink and the introduction of the concept of timey-wimey and the mm. revisiting of the problems with time travel Yeah, that might have given Stephen Moffat the encouragement to write every single thing he wrote ever again for Doctor Who about time travel. Yes. Well, it's interesting because um, series six is, uh, you know, a much longer and less well-written version of this. <laughs> yes. And then also the Angels Take Manhattan, the kind of, you know, oh, yeah. of, uh, Amy and Rory. Yeah. They do the same thing that um, Kathy's character does in this one. Yes. Of being, you know, sent back into the past. So, you know, again, that's rather revisited. I mean, it, it's drawn out for Yeah, for me. But, fra- but frankly, does it better in this, I think? Part of the brilliance of the angels was that they killed you in a kind way. Hmm. In that, yes, they were visually terrifying, but it hmm. was rather a brilliant thing that they dealt with you. They got you out of the way or they fed off your residual whatever energy when they zapped you into the past by just sending you into the past. And that as a mechanism was brilliant. That as a, a, a concept of a monster that killed you in a kind way was was brilliant. <laughs> and indeed, was that the spark that made that Moffat would never kill anyone ever again? Uh, <laughs> they didn't kill you. They sent you back into the past and then Moffat stopped killing people after that. So did he feed on that success? But I don't feel he repeated the success of the angels in any sense no. after that. He made them visually more horrific and uh, 
you you weren't quite sure what the threat of them was later on mm. until he revisits the the very initial idea of of them sending you back to the past when he when he kills off inverted commas Amy and Rory by mm. not killing them. But I don't want to get bogged down in in what happened next. Uh, I will just say that the last sort of marathon I did was uh, by accident, and I watched. I think I rewatched season ten, and then thought, "All oh right, I'll mm. rewatch season nine. and I thought, "All oh right, I'll rewatch season eight, and so on. And I, I got well back into uh, the classic era, watching them in reverse order. And by mm. Jove, by the time I got to Blink, and by the time I got to uh, the girl in the fireplace. I was utterly fed up of time travel stories, so I, I hated them. I just wanted them mm. to stop, which is which is symptomatic of, of him just going on and being that that being the only thing he wrote about time travel. Mm. But at the time, was that the how many instances between Day of the Daleks and Blink were there of of time travel stories? Yeah, so, so I'm Not thinking this the um, this the face of evil, which sort you know you've you got the doctor having visiting yeah. there before. Yeah. It's not exactly time travel. Yeah. There's a bit of it in there. Yeah. Hmm. 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 I can't. I, I wouldn't like to speculate whether it's uh, whether it was done in in New Who, but we're sort of saying that up until Blink, you had the Space Museum, yes. you had Day of the Daleks, face of evil ish. Uh, and as you mentioned, the girl in the fireplace. Girl in the fireplace. Genesis of the Daleks. Mm. A little bit. Yeah. And then you get to blink. And then something that has been done once every ten years or so is then done yeah. every episode for the next uh, five, six, seven, four years. Five years. Yeah. Um. <coughs> And there's probably a reason it was done so sparingly at first, uh, but you, uh, but I think Moffat fancied himself as a bit of a, bit of a clever clogs on the old com- on the old complex uh, story arcs, time travelly, timey wimey stuff. Yeah, it, it created a Frankenstein's monster for me, if mm. that's the right metaphor. It, it, well, it could, it could be the right metaphor. I mean, the, the, the thing about I think about the time situation in this is that you know, although it's a nice background theme for this. Mm. You know, and and it's integral to the to the plot. In in the end, you can sort of wave it away and not worry about it too much. I mean, the, I mean, the main th- part about this is the imminent threat of the angels and sort of Sally's quest to try and work out what's going on. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, and, and the, so time ends up being the explanation for it all. Hmm. But it's not necessarily even in this one. It's <clears throat> it's not right in front of your face. It's it, it's an explanation. It's it, it's there, but it's not. Uh, I, I suppose, in a sense, it also has a similarity with Day of the Daleks in that the the resolution and the explanation comes towards the shank of the episode, as it were, hmm. towards the back end, and yes. that you don't appreciate exactly what's going on until well into it. Although that might be the case in every story, actually, I don't know. But um, I certainly don't want to be uh, negative about. It, on its own terms, like I say, it is a. Mm. I was absolutely blown away by it at the time, and it is a. It is an episode that I would happily show to someone, saying, "You know, that Doctor Who, I keep going on about. Listen to this." Yeah, but so so, so, so something else, I guess, that I noticed uh, recently watching it was how Stephen Moffat's um, sitcom writing comes, you know, comes to the fore. There's, there's quite a lot of yes. of funny well, funny scenes. There's, there's nice snappy dialogue. He's good at writing sitcoms. Yeah, yeah, and and and, uh, and because it's Sally who's the centre of this. Sally Sparrow. It's, 
it's quite okay, I guess, for Giles her. For, for, yeah, indeed. <laughs> it's quite okay for her to be flirted at by the detective and so on. I mean, it, 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 you know, it's it's less intrusive than when the doctor starts flirting with people and and and. Um, yeah, and the stuff with the with the brother is is quite funny, isn't it? You know, the yeah. slovenly brother and and so on, and the the relationship of of Sally and the brother. I think that's yeah. that's quite amusing as well. It's all lovely stuff. It's and it's unusual for Doctor Who to have that 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 sort mm. of um, thing. But again, it's another instance of where champagne dialogue, you know, fizzy fun dialogue, is brilliant because it's it's unusual for. Yeah. what it is so it makes it a standout episode of season three uh yes. sorry series three uh but then later on it becomes a bit of a a crotch a crutch rather not a crotch a crutch <laughs> of um stephen moffat's writing doesn't it well actually maybe both <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but it's true isn't it in that it, it's all about the, the lighter moments what cuts through for me when watching uh, Moffat's Doctor Who, uh, because the the storylines are so difficult to sort of enjoy following, is you live for the sort of lighter comedic moments that he writes so well for uh, Matt Smith and Amy and Rory. That's what I enjoyed about Moffat Who is that champagne dialogue, that funny comedic mm. dialogue that he's that he's obviously uh, made him a successful sitcom writer. But it becomes the crotch <laughs> of of his writing for me. But that's mm. only from my perspective. Yeah. So I, I mean, one other thing that that, um, that struck me watching it was how appalling a situation it, it actually would be to be sent back in time, as as the Kathy character is in this. Well, and and also I suppose uh, <coughs> Billy, the, the the police inspector. But at least he's got the doctor waiting there for him and uh, to sort of help him. When she goes back to 1920 for some reason, rather than 1969. Yeah, yeah. But uh, and um, but yeah, can you you know imagine? I mean, it's 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 essentially an alien world. You don't yeah. really know anything that's going on there, and and uh, you've got no form of ID. She's a Yorkshire woman, isn't she, by accent? Do, it does sound like that. And yes. so she's obviously made of stern stuff. <laughs> So yeah, she probably took it in a stride. Yeah, but I mean, if you think about it, if you're sent back to 1920, mm. and then you have children, you know, say in the early 20s, mm. you know that they're going to get caught up in the Second World War, and you, uh, you know that's coming. There's nothing you can do to stop it. Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, there's all you know. There's all, there's all sorts of things that that uh, must make it difficult to live through a period of history that you're not necessarily. You haven't lived through yourself, but but you're familiar with what's with some of the the broader things of what's going to happen. Well, that's very true. But by the same token, that foreknowledge would also help you to plan and avoid, though, wouldn't it? But at the same time, it, perhaps it was. I mean, she ended up in the countryside in um, hmm. James Harriet country or whatever it was. Yes. Uh, Hull, it, I think they said. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hull. Um, it, it, in a pond. it sounds like um, you might feel like you're falling on your feet with a bit of clean living and uh, simpler times. I don't know. I, I, I don't as, know. As, you, as you may be aware, Tim, I'm, I'm, I'm not immune to the charms of Yorkshire, but I'm not sure <laughs> that, uh, that, that, that even I would consider 1920s Hull as, as being uh, an outstanding destination. Well, have there you been go. to Hull recently? I was there. I, ha- I haven't been to Hull since, I have to admit, the 70s. Well, I was there about 10 months ago. And um, I have to tell you, I was I was completely and utterly underwhelmed. <laughs> 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 uh, 
But you know, I wasn't. But it was. I wasn't expecting it to be whelmed. But I was. I was underwhelmed. That isn't a bad thing. The weather was nice. You know, I mean, if 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 you like bridges and and rivers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And white white telephone boxes, if they still have them. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. So that's whole. But it was lovely Yorkshire countryside where she where she landed. Yeah, I don't really understand that because if because Hull couldn't be flatter actually thinking about true, it. true. But then again, in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, you know, <laughs> Kevin Costner lands at Dover and within within the blink of an eye, he's doing Hadrian's Wall. So hmm. maybe things were different in history, Richard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, th- I think I think what happened was that that during the geological ages between <laughs> between right. the Third Crusade and now, the whole country got stretched down. That's right, indeed. Yeah, I mean, North Africa mm. was connected to China and all that stuff. So, yeah, yeah. Don't be so sceptical. Yeah. yeah. Hence Marco Polo. Um. Anyway, <laughs> <Is> that <laughs> <laughs> that's a leap, isn't it? Is that a Marco Polo, uh, Marco Polo, Marco Polo ending up in Ethiopia joke? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Yeah, get out more. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, hey. Yeah, red um, yeah, tape. Yeah. It's it, it, it's not happening. No, no. Not this year, anyway. Not this year. Yeah, very long blue touch paper. It's not about Doctor Who. It's not about Doctor Who. Mm. And stop hiding behind a pseudonym. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Richard. Tim. <laughs> uh, well, I've got a very effective pseudonym on, on, on all of my internet facing, you know, of, of using my actual name. Yeah, you really got, yeah, okay. But, but, but on, the, on the basis that there are so many other Richard Smiths, they probably wouldn't be able to know which one it is. <laughs> yeah. Good. So, are we going to now have some sort of clever summing up where where we bring the two stories together in a very elegant way uh, and then finish, or or are we just going to say, yeah, okay, that's that then? They are two examples, perhaps consecutive examples, of a TV series which doesn't concern time travel but uses time travel, concerning itself about the vagaries and problems of time travel. Hmm. They are both successful in that not by virtue of their subject matter, but by virtue of the era in which they sit. They are both successful examples of Doctor Who you would wish to show off to someone to say, that is what that bit of Doctor Who is about. Hmm. Is it a coincidence that they're both about time travel? I think it's interesting that in both stories, Mm. the Doctor is without the TARDIS. Hmm. And yet there's time travel going on. Because, mm. you know, ordinarily, well, obviously, it's the TARDIS that's, that's transporting him through time. And yet in in uh, in Day, it's it's the Rebel with their time machine. And in uh, Blink, it's the Angels. Hmm. Travel without TARDIS. Yes. Hmm. That's an interesting point. Also in Day of the Daleks, he's got the console out again, hasn't he? <laughs> he does seem to like doing that. Yeah, but he had it. He he had it out, and yes. he had the console out. <laughs> yes. Um, <coughs> somehow got it back in again. Somehow got it back in again, despite the fact it won't fit through. I the mean, doors. you're okay with it the first time because you think, well, he do it, you know, in bits, bit by bit, bit by bit. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. 
but then despite the fact that he opens up the eye of harmony anyway sorry go on but then it goes back in for uh colony in space yeah yeah that's true and then he sort of moves the whole thing out so he can take mm. a screwdriver to the old uh, dematerialization circuit hmm He's obviously got a lot... There's a missing season here somewhere, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> season 8.5. Yeah. Yeah. Because it must have taken him ages. We should get We should get Terence Dix to write it. We should get Paul Morris to write it. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yes, interesting. Are there any other instances of where travel without TARDIS is, makes for a more interesting uh, story. There's the season 12 well, arc, isn't there? Yes, and there that, is. And that's deemed to be pretty much well, not quite the peak but it's mm. certainly on the way to the peak, isn't it? The arc in space is certainly um, a, is. A, a masterpiece, iconic piece of Doctor Who. Mm. Is there something, is there something um, inherently threatening about lack of the shelter of the TARDIS because the whole concept of Doctor Who at the start was always mm. um, removing the TARDIS so it takes away the womb so that they're always exposed and they're always trying to get back to it. Is there something mm. therefore inherently exciting about Doctor Who when they can't travel by TARDIS? Mm. You know when the when the TARDIS is thrown into the into the pits of hell in the Dalek David Tennant's Donna thing when they're going to melt the TARDIS and Donna's trapped inside, there's a, that's one of the more threatening moments in a mm. in a Tenant Doctor Who, isn't it? When you feel the loss of the TARDIS. Hmm. Any other instances of travel without TARDIS? Well, there's Keys of Marinus. Yeah, that they doesn't count. Buzz around with those dials. No. <laughs> <laughs> Frontios, the TARDIS gets um, yeah. blown up doesn't it, it? But I don't feel particularly threatened by that. It's an interesting no. idea. I'd like to think about it some more. Hmm. Hmm. I think perhaps the reason why it works in these two stories hmm. is that there's no easy out for the dogs. I mean, well, I suppose there is in the end because he manages to get Sally to flick the right switch so the tide just turns up and then everything's okay again. But certainly in, in, in Day of the Daleks, he's got to use his wits. In both, he has to, to sort of reprogram the future, doesn't he? Yeah. to try and fix the now, even though he's looking different ways. Sorry, in one he has to... Yes, no, in both of them he has to, to pre-program the future hmm. to try and fix the present. Does that make sense? Yeah. Hmm. Yes, you're right, because... because for, uh, but that's, that's another interesting aspect, actually, isn't it? That the, that, that the Doctor is present in 1969, which, which we never are in the story. Hmm. Yeah, um, but yes, yes. As far as he's concerned, he's he's having to deal with the future. Hmm. Yeah, good. Well, it feels like we've 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 almost rounded that off with a bow. Almost. C yeah. Certainly, you know, some rather nice wrapping paper. Yeah, and, uh, and maybe a tag or two. Yeah. No. Uh, interesting. I'd like to think about that genuinely some more. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So what's next? What's next on um, on something here? I mean, I, I like to think I, I've provided some sort of baseline of awfulness so that whatever you do now, whatever happens next, it, it, mm. it will be better. I mean, you could well, have um, two non-English speaking Eastern European folks who have never seen Doctor Who and get them to do 
a live straight to audio cookery demonstration of some of their dishes and it would probably be a better analysis of Doctor Who than I have just provided I think perhaps you do yourself down a little ah. bit <laughs> <laughs> I don't but, pick on Eastern uh, Europeans I, it could be any non-English speaking yeah. non-Doctor Who exposed areas of the world I like to hope that you know those regular members of the Something Hue team who, who found themselves too busy washing their hair this weekend to uh, to appear might listen in and say, oh hell, if I don't come on the next one, this is what it's going to be like. This is what so it's going to be like. <laughs> I, 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 I might have a, a fuller panel next time. But, yeah. you know, I have to, I have to say I've, I've, I've enjoyed it immensely. So, uh, yeah, we, what, what plans have we got? We, we've got a couple of ones lined up. So, yeah, so, so I think we're going to probably do another one uh, in a few weeks, possibly while Paul's still on holiday, so he might not appear on that one. Then we then we've got another one lined up where everybody I hope will t- will turn up, um, and then we've got one or two other special guests oh. um, who who've, who've indicated that they're 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 prepared to give it a go. So yeah, I mean you know I I think we've got about two or three other ones. Have you got any? Lined up in the have you got any interesting story combinations coming up? Are you going to keep those close to your your chest? Well, if I if I told you now what they are, then that would mean that I'd have to stick with that um, <laughs> in the future. So, so I've, I very, very cunningly forgot to mention what our next one was going to be at uh, the end of the last one, which was oh, quite convenient you? because it hasn't actually turned out to be that. Yeah. Um, and I, I think if I if I draw a veil over it, then people will think there's a, there's a you know in much the same way as as um, what's his face Cartmel had yeah. a master plan. Then 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 I've got some kind of um, well, you know idea of where we're going with it. When this. we when we were at the pub, Giles has already told me that the next one planned is survival versus love and monsters. So <laughs> um, I'm afraid now it is published. Now it's out there. Right. Um, yeah. You're going to have to stick with that, and I know that that Giles will be particularly disappointed if we don't do that. One. If you don't do that one next, right? Okay, I'll I'll, I'll bear it in mind and, and and disappoint him. And I know I I know Paul was very keen to do K9 and Company mm. versus the Ghost Monument. Mm. Yes, that's a that's a perfectly revolting combination, isn't it? <laughs> so there, you next two, and uh, you can stick the check in the post. <laughs> Splendid. Uh, what's what's coming up with the Grumpcast? Well, it, it is slowly cooking in a slow cooker. Um, hmm. We have the next one lined up and planned, and that we'll be covering season eighteen, which is uh, by no means the the most enjoyable season to watch. But hmm. we think, oh, I think it's got some interesting things to be grumpy about. I mean, it's one of it's one of the great um, <coughs> Tom Baker seasons from the nineteen eighties. It is one of the great Tom Baker seasons from the nineteen eighties. Well, it's a bit of a funny one, isn't it? Because it's better. I think it shows an up curve from some of the low points of season seventeen, and certainly yeah. certainly season sixteen. It's very divisive amongst you know aging fans who tend hmm. to knock around on forums it's sort of one that was uh, around when people were relatively young so they have they have the nostalgia factor with it adric is very divisive as a character in that hmm. he's not the same character any two weeks you've got christopher bidmead taking bits hmm. of his computer apart and naming various stories after various story parts after bit, bits of his computer you've got john hmm. nathan turner new titles new opening Tom trying to yeah. get out of the way. There's plenty to talk about. 
and therefore it seemed like a fitting subject to do. And on that, we'll have, hopefully, our first guest from the United States of America. How exciting. So I'm hoping for some emphatic sass in the mm. way that the people from that country do that. I, I, I wonder if you're aware that something who has listeners in uh, Georgia, Texas... Georgia, Georgia as in Georgia, Tbilisi. Georgia, America. Oh! No, no, no yeah, yeah, Georgia... <laughs> Uh, Texas and Louisiana, uh, almost nowhere else in the United States, but 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 those three southern states. It I don't know what that says about us. It could have been one listener who is a travelling salesman. <laughs> 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 um, but it's at least three, you think? Yeah. Um, do it, have any of them listened to more than one episode? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, we've, we've got we've got as many, I think, as uh, ten or fifteen listens in in one of those states. Wow. Yeah. Wow, so which, which is more episodes than we've got. Well, there so you go. I, it's this sort of I, feel I, I that I had that, that thought uh, we'd get uh, Matt onto the the Grumpcast. So we've got Matt and we've got Paul, and then Giles in a duplicitous act said, uh, uh, "I think he messaged me and said, are you doing season eighteen? Can I come mm. on that?'" So mm. yes, uh, it's been long in the planning. We've all been busy, but it is slowly coming along. And that'll be a lot of fun to do. Hmm. And then after that, I've got a few ideas kicking around. I want to tackle animations at some point. Hmm. It'd be nice to do another another classic series. Uh, we'll have to wheel you back on at some point as well. You know, if 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 um, I was going to say <laughs> I was going to do a really bad taste old age joke then, but I, I, you've been relatively nice to me. Uh, you didn't stand me in the porch eating biscuits. So um, you'd be very welcome back on, Richard, any time you'd like. Thank you. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, uh, you know, and if anyone else is listening to this podcast, I'm, I'm always, always available, and I have my own mic. Uh, that, that, that's microphone, I mean. Rather, <laughs> <than> the, uh, <laughs> I was going to say, if you bought him, I mean. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, yeah. Well, great, excellent. Well, thanks for coming along, Tim, and and, and for um, not putting your feet on the settee. <laughs> and we'll look forward to hearing more Grumpcasts uh, as and when you put them out, and and hopefully we'll have a few more something who's coming along in the future as well. Great. So I think that's about it then. Okay. Ta-ta. Um, tatty bye. Tatty bye. Uh, Goodbye. Yeah, yeah. Cheerio. So on. That's it then. <laughs> Good luck making that not truly dreadful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, t- I tell you what, I've had some pretty unpromising material to deal with. <laughs> for, uh, opening sketches uh, uh, that was that was that's got everything that I need. Oh, Richard, today. Richard, do, can we redo that? Yeah. Ask me if. Well, it, it might be really boring, but ask me if I've been up to anything. Because that might Sorry. be a nice bit of chat. Because that's the sort of thing that a chap would do. If, if someone asked them what they were doing, then I would ask what you'd be doing, wouldn't I? You know, if, if I were a good host. <laughs> when I said listen to this, I did, um, I did the guitarist in Back to the Future um, holding the phone up to... What's he called? Ugh.
What, Michael J. Fox? Michael J. Fox um, playing the guitar, going, uh, yeah. ringing on the phone to his cousin Chuck, saying, listen to this, I just did that, live, and you missed it. <laughs> Edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> the soap that cuts through the the grease of trying to work, that's an awful bloody metaphor. <laughs>